glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. The 49ers have defeated the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll be honest, last week after the Cowboys game, I felt real Mullins. It made me think like this. You can't win! But during the fourth quarter of this game, I started to feel like this. That's exactly how we wanted to feel, horse. Right in the thick of things. Yeah, it felt nice to come out on top of the win. I know a lot of people are upset about draft positioning and all that, but the fact the 49ers might have just knocked uh, Pretty Boy and Tyler Murray out of the playoffs, it felt pretty good. And that, it was nice to see C.J. Beathard come out and play well. Um, nice to see Jeff Wilson play well. I thought they, as a team, played their best game they have in a number of weeks it was really exciting to watch it was, it was really good too to get the run game going and finally back to normal and uh getting the wonderful and always entertaining george kittle out there and uh just for a little bit there watching grant Cone squirm at home and just eat some fat crow a cg method made no real consequential mistakes yes he had the one turnover but nothing that destroyed or impacted momentum for the 49ers and <laughs> What a surprise, guys. When the momentum's on our side, this defense is lights out. We can actually win some football games. It's crazy. Definitely. The defense has been playing so good over the last few weeks. Besides the Bills game, they have looked excellent. And it was really fun to watch the 49ers offense be able to manage the clock, make the Cardinals have less opportunities, and also just put a stranglehold on um, you know the whole offensive game plan for Cliff Kingsbury, but the offense also executed horse at a pretty good clip. Yeah. What was your key matchup, and did the 49ers execute and win that matchup? Yeah, um, my offensive key matchup was the 49ers run game against Arizona's front seven, and I think they won. Jeff Wilson himself had 183 yards Big and averaged 8.3 yards a carry on the day. Um, he looked. Yeah. He ran hard. He looked good. Tevin Coleman on his few carries looked good. They moved the ball on the ground well. Mixed in some zone read action that you don't see the Niners do too much. Showing you Kyle is willing if he has the mobile a quarterback mobile enough. And Bethard, I think, made the right read on every single one. They only did three or four of them, but and uh, their ground game was just in gear all day. It looked nice. It looked really good. I really enjoyed seeing the seeing the zone read action with CJ Beathard in there. I got a little worried on one of those pulls where he kept off the read and took a nice little shot. He got right back up though, had a nice big sigh of relief. And my offensive key matchup, part of the reason why a lot of the run game was successful was Mike McGlinchey versus those DNs, Golden and Hicks, and establishing in the pass game, letting CJ Beathard get comfortable. He wasn't having to make too many risky throws, which means the Cardinals couldn't just sit there and pack the box because when Beathard was making throws and making plays, they, he was getting first downs, the chains were moving, and that allowed McGlinchey to dominate in the run game like we've always seen him do. The, the play that sticks out of my mind is stretch run for Wilson to the right side of the field, 
he releases up to second level and takes a linebacker downfield and just plows him into the sideline. It was absolutely glorious. Horst pointed out that he had one really bad blocking play, and that's been kind of like the McGlinchey special this year. He's got one play where he performs fairly badly this game, uh, but this, this game it was just the one, and outside of that one play, he was absolutely dominant. Trent Williams stood it up on the other side. He only had one bad play that we all can recall where he didn't make a block and then resulted in a sack. Uh, the O-line today played phenomenal. Hats off to both Skule and McKivitz playing in that role with some injury stuff going on. Both of them look solid today, although I'd say Skule looks absolutely comfortable in that, that right guard spot. Yeah, I think the nice thing, too, is that we haven't been mentioning Lakin Tomlinson, which means if you're not mentioning him, that means he's playing really well. And there's been no reason to call his name, so he's been studying it out. And once again, Daniel Brunskill played as good as he could play, especially with there being you know somebody that's not familiar playing right guard next to him. He's been doing a good job. My offensive key matchup was C.J. Beathard against pressure, and it was twofold. It was pressure of the start, which I thought he handled fantastic. He looked calm, collected the entire game. He took what was there. When something wasn't there, he went ahead and threw it away or just took the sack if he had to, but he made sure that he didn't make mistakes. Besides the one ball getting knocked out of his hands for the fumble, I thought he made great reads. He had a couple of bad throws that could have turned out to be bad for the 49ers, but once again, it's a guy that you know didn't make those mistakes, unlike the quarterback previous, who made a lot of mistakes. And then it was also handling the pressure of the pass rush, and I thought he did overall a good job. Um, I thought that Kyle Shanahan switching it up, just like you guys said, with a few read options, made those outside defensive ends think about something else other than just pinning their ears back and coming and also they couldn't fly down the line to get wilson on the stretch run so it allowed some you know some creases and some cutbacks but really they were able to establish the edge early on and get it going and it was a very nice performance from the offense i honestly believe the this type of performance from the offense during the washington and the dallas game would have meant 49ers wins and that's something I, I know we're going to talk about in the future down the road of the, at the end of the show. So because the offense stepped up their game and played well, I'm assuming we all three have a straight beast offensive player of the week. And we're going to start with you, Alex. Who do you got? I have to give it to the guy I picked my key matchup to be. I have to give it to Mike McGlinchey. He played absolutely phenomenal. I would give it to the whole offensive line because as a whole they played phenomenal Trent Williams played good on that left side you brought up Lincoln Tomlinson Brunskill has been doing a fantastic job at the center position since he moved there but Mike McGlinchey the, the knock has been he hasn't been performing and hasn't been playing up to par he hasn't been the guy that that we all thought he was today he looked the part he played the part in the run game he was phenomenal in the pass game he was phenomenal he was riding those DNs who you trying to use their speed upfield creating a nice pocket an area for Beathard to step up in if he needed to. Uh, he did a phenomenal job controlling and setting the edge all game long. And when they wanted to try and mix things up and stunt, he never really got confused. He never really got beat. There was the one stumble and fall. Other than that, he was solid on that right side of the line. Beathard was able to stay comfortable in the pocket. And the best part about all of it, no consequential turnovers that killed momentum, but an absolutely incredible job by McGlinchey, the O-line, and Beathard. Yeah, no consequential turnovers was so huge in this game, and that's why I'm going to give it to C.J. Beathard. 
He's a straight beast. I know he didn't throw for over 200 yards and he didn't make a lot of big time plays, but what he did was make the plays that he needed to make for the 49ers to win. The, the passes to Juice out of the backfield, finding George Kittle down the seam. He was just constantly making enough plays to win the game. He, he proved that he's a solid backup quarterback that can come in and win games if needed with a great defense. This is the kind of thing that you see when you have a great defense. The 49ers, all they need is a quarterback that can get enough. You need that 20 to 26 point game, you know, points a game, and then you're able to win games because of how good all pro Fred and this defense are. And I have to give it to him because he did a great job. Didn't, didn't hurt themselves, didn't beat themselves. They beat the Cardinals, and that's big. And I am going to go with the running back tandem of Jeff Wilson and Kyle Juszczyk. Because um, there would be no Jeff Wilson runs without Kyle Juszczyk. And because of the way Jeff Wilson was running the ball, which, man, it's fun to watch when Jeff Wilson gets rolling. He hits the holes hard. He runs violent. He's got a little more speed than you'd think when he gets out in the open. But because he was running that well, it was able to open up you for juice on the play action passes and he caught two touchdowns. So I, and then uh, the third touchdown catch was by Wilson. So I think the tandem of those two played a fantastic game. Yeah, interesting yeah. that that was the same play for Wilson that he caught last year yeah. in Arizona. It was, same exact play, same exact route. Um, it, that was great, it was great to see. It was a nice little flashback. And also a lot of people, and they talked about it on the broadcast, flashback to early in the year when Raheem Mostert caught the long one for the touchdown. Um, when they get things going, it's really hard to predict that route coming out of the backfield. Is he going flats? Is he going to sit on a hook route? Or is he going to run the little Texas route up the seam there? Um, the the thing that was most impressive, too, was that my wow, that's bold, 100% came true because I definitely said Kyle Juszczyk was going to score two tutties, not Tevin Coleman was going to score two tutties. Yeah. So just yeah, a clarification, totally. it was totally that and not the other thing. Yeah. I believe there's a lot of people that watch the episode that are going to know that that might not be accurate. Wait, there's a lot of people that watched the last one? Yeah, a few people watched it. I know that. It's not fully accurate. (laughs) Which finally feels good to get back on the winning side of things. And speaking of that, why don't you scroll down, give us a, a subscribe, and that's a win. And comment down below, hit the notification bell, run up those view totals. We need it. Do it. Yep. Make sure you keep liking the channel. Make sure you like the videos. That kicks in the YouTube algorithm. We appreciate it. You can even share it to your friends. Yeah, that'd be cool. You can do that also. This guy. Yeah. All the knowledge. I'll let you do all of it. That's, and that's a lot of wins for you. Sharing is caring. It is. Especially it's this holiday time of year. <laughs> I was say, especially this holiday season. <laughs> now that you're done liking the page, we can move on now. We have defensive key matchups from an excellent performance by this defense this week. Did any of our matchups have any impact on that? Ant, we'll start with you. What did you have for defensive key matchups this game? My defensive key matchup was Robert Sala versus Cliff Kingsbury. And I, I put an emphasis on stopping DeAndre Hopkins after last game. You know, week one, DeAndre Hopkins just went off against the 49ers. But there was one difference in this game that was very clear and evident, and that was that Jason Verrett is now manning corner. And he wasn't in week one. He made a huge difference. He went in there and he caused DeAndre Hopkins to feel uncomfortable, have to press routes. He was, I mean, he was closing on footballs really fast. It was really nice to watch. And I thought Solid did a good job of confusing Kyler Murray. I saw a couple of times he would line up Greenlaw inside on DeAndre Hopkins in the slot, even when a running back went out and Verrett would stay. And then they would switch 
before the snap, and that was making Kyler Murray think that he had DeAndre Hopkins in the mismatch with Greenlaw, but really Verrett was going to be coming inside and the mismatch was the running back outside. I thought he did a good job of disguising coverages and bringing blitzes. Once again, Robert Sala was excellent game plan. This is what I thought would have to happen for them to be able to win, and that's exactly what happened. All pro Fred played at an elite level. Tarverius Moore and Akilah Witherspoon had fantastic games. 49ers defense definitely carried the load in this, and if they play like this, they can win next week too. Um, adding on to what you just talked about, I was really impressed with, and you could tell it was something they were taught, three or four times, someone went straight to the flats and jumped and knocked down his pass. You could tell it was something that they saw in film, something that, but it, it was the big fourth down stop, and then um, I know K1 Williams did it once, and I think it happened a third time, but I can't remember. That was really cool. I've been a long time it, since I've seen it that. Did, it did happen a third time. I believe it was Armstead that did it. But yeah, you could tell there was something they were seeing on film that they knew when they were going to throw a slant out there. And they were jumping up and knocking him down because Kyler Murray's like my height. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but my defensive matchup was all-pro Fred Warner versus Kenyon Drake. Um, that's a big W. Drake had 45 yards on 18 carries. He did not impact the game very much. Um, and it seemed like every time he ran the ball, either Fred or um, Greenlaw or even Aziz Alshair had a couple nice plays against the run in this game. Um, their linebacking core really and defensive line, especially that they were missing Kinlaw, really locked the uh, run game down. I thought they played really well. Saw guys like Alex Barrett and Contavia um, Street played a lot. You saw some of those guys come in, make plays. Once again, that probably is a testament to Sala and Kacerik's coaching. But um, it was a really great team effort against the, against Kenyon Drake yesterday. It was a solid effort. And shout-outs to my boy Drake Greenlaw, who the last few weeks has been playing phenomenal and out of this world as well. Obviously, something's starting to click with that guy, and the confidence is back because he's playing. Arkansas. He's playing like the guy he was he was at the end of last season, and we need that going forward continually. My defensive key matchup was actually extremely consequential because it was Uncle Sherman versus the Cardinal Speed, and we didn't have to worry about it. It was a blessing in disguise, Richard Sherman not being there, not showing up. So, Richard Sherman, thank you. Thank you for making me wrong on this. I appreciate it, good sir, because Akilah Witherspoon played lights out. Jason Verrett played lights out. The Cardinal Speed was... Maybe not a non-factor, but it was definitely in control. We had control of it. We didn't really give up a whole lot of big plays. DeAndre Hopkins definitely in no way, shape, or form shredded this defense and was making me sweat. At no point did I feel like well, there's nothing we can do against this guy. The cornerbacks played with confidence. The D-line was able to get in and get pressure because they weren't open. On his third, fourth step in his drop back, he's having to wait for them to get free. Uh, incredible job by Witherspoon and Verrett. Witherspoon, these are the kind of performances now that you're able to not only build on, but makes you start to think that maybe he is a guy that you can build around in the future. Definitely going to probably have to hedge that bet a little bit, maybe in the draft or free agency. But Witherspoon looked like the guy he he was at the very beginning of last season. It's the best he's performed, I'd say, since last season early on. Bringing the wood. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what's the most inter I mean, evident thing, right, is the way they're playing so physical on defense. Between him, Tavarius Moore, Marcel Harris, all bringing like huge hits. Of course, all pro Fred always does. But I thought that that was one question we had coming into the game is 
were the 49ers going to just be, you know, the players going to be kind of phoning it in, or are they going to step up and play the spoiler role? And they definitely came out to play the spoiler role, which means they're not done as far as playing hard for the rest of the season. And I think that goes a lot to show how much uh, love they have for Robert Sala, who's a competitor, and for Kyle Shanahan. So this team is definitely firm, and hopefully this can roll over into next season. But yeah, dude, Akilah Witherspoon, he looked at another level in this game besides the one deep pass that uh, Kirk had down the sideline. Other than that, fantastic. And All-Pro Fred must be one of the most annoying guys in the league to play against. Because if you pay attention, he always is doing something extra. Slapping the ball out of your hand or keep it holding you down, always talking. I bet you he's one of the guys people in the league hate playing against, him, especially because he's really good. Yeah. But then to go with all the extra stuff he does between I hope the all those idiot sports writers that were saying he didn't deserve to make the Pro Bowl, I hope you watch that game. He's an all-pro player. There's people that think he didn't deserve to make the Pro Bowl? Yep, there is. They were calling out his stats saying he, he didn't deserve to make it. And I hope you all watched it on Amazon because you're dumb. And now it's time for the block is hot defensive player of the game. Horst, who was your guy? Who tore it up? Who dominated the Cardinals? You know what? Uh, so many guys had good games. I'm going to trust on you two to pick the rest of them up, or at least some of them. I, I got to go with Jason Verrett. Um, there was definitely other guys that could have been, but Please. Jason Verrett was given one of the hardest jobs in football one-on-one with um, DeAndre Hopkins, and we saw how bad it was the first week of the year. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has, what, like 110 catches this year? He does. And uh, that guy's just an animal, and Jason Verrett was on him all day. If he did catch a ball, Verrett tackled him right there on the spot. He didn't break out in the open. Um, he had that one beautiful play in the end zone where Hopkins had both hands on the ball and Verrett ripped it out. And he had a couple more like that. Um, just an outstanding job when tasked with a really difficult um, opponent. And I thought he did great. I agree with you there. And it's frustrating because I think Ant and I both wanted to pick the red also. <laughs> but I'll show some love some other places. Uh, specifically the entire linebacking core. But most importantly, the leader of the linebackers, Fred Warner. He was absolutely lights out today. Scored me a big 16 points in fantasy football with a three-pass defense in the first half. First half, folks. All-pro Fred breaking up three passes early. Leading, I, I don't know if he led the team in tackles, but he th I think he finished with eight and a half on the game. At 11. 11? Oh, my Lord. I didn't check it again after that. My goodness. 11 tackles on the game. And, you know. The big, the big pass breakup at the end on that little slant round on the third and short. He was absolutely incredible all night long. He was everywhere all over the field. And as Force pointed out earlier, he's an absolute nuisance to deal with. He's always talking. That little bit of mess after he makes a great play. He's always in your face giving you that little bit extra. Kendrick Bourne, take some notes. Take some lessons. If you're going to showboat, and you're gonna, you have to perform at an all-pro level. I love it when guys are the best player on the field. Talk it and back it up. I can't stand it when they can't even catch a ball on first down. Yeah, one of his best moments was when he knocked that Murray pass down. If you watch it, he follows Kyler Murray for like 15 yards yelling at him. <laughs> yeah, my uh, block is hot defensive player of the game is actually going to be two people. It's going to be DJ Jones and Contavia Street. 
because they stepped up and they were able to help stop the run in the middle. The fact that Deion Jordan was out, so once again, we had Armstead moving outside to start the game. So we knew we were going to need help in there. And then Ken Law is a late scratch. Um, but DJ Jones has been a stud all year when he's been healthy. And Contavious Street stepped in and made plays. So I'm going to give them a lot of love in this game because without that, it should have been a problem for the 49ers, but the fact that it wasn't means they both played well. DJ Jones put pressure on the quarterback. I believe he got a sack in the game. He played excellent. So both those guys are my defensive block is hot players of the game. Is there anyone that we missed? Are there any awards that we should have given out that we didn't for straight beast or block is hot this week? Let us know in the comment section down below. And while you're down there, you might as well just like and subscribe to the page. We already picked up quite a handful of new followers and subscribers after the last podcast. You don't want to be the last person to join the team. Get on board now before the going gets good and the block gets really hot on this podcast right here. It's time for fresh cakes, boys. <laughs> hey, it's the Donnie difference. So, what we're going to talk about now is the question that's on everyone's mind. Whether you're a Nick Mullen supporter, a hater, somewhere in between, um, no matter what you think about Garoppolo, Shanahan, the whole quarterback situation, how much of a difference did having C.J. Beathard in there instead of Nick Mullins, who we still wish well in his recovery from his elbow injury, how much of a difference did he make? How much of a difference was him, and how much of a difference was the rest of the team playing well? It's significant, right? The way the offense was playing, the way the the ball was moving in the run game, the fact that there weren't glaring issues and mistakes popping up in terms of the pass game, bad reads, missed wide receivers. I didn't see a receiver throwing a tantrum on a bad badly throw ball or missing a guy in space. Uh, I didn't see a run play happen this game that as the play is happening and we're getting stuffed for a four-yard loss, I'm watching it going... Why in the world did we even try and run that there? That doesn't even make any sense. Everything offensively seemed to flow. It made sense. The calls made sense. Um, you saw late in the third quarter, they were running a lot of return actions with Ayuk where he was returning on some sort of fly sweep or pitch, like a little toss pitch pass play. Um, and the Cardinals started jumping on it hard and heavy. And then they used a sim- that similar sort of action later in the game, uh, like through a series later, where they got Yushek out on the flat from the other side. He just slips out as Ayuk does a little return, but he bubbles behind uh, Beathard. And it-, it was incredible to watch the offense flow, move, not make mistakes in crucial times where you needed to make a play or just needed to not take a negative play. Uh, they constantly were moving forward. They weren't moving backwards. And the one time that they did move backwards was at the end of the half when you were trying to make a play where it's either you're going to make a play and get some points on the board or, you know, nothing's going to happen. You can get the ball back to the Cardinals with four seconds left. And if they somehow manage to throw a Hail Mary up and pull, come down with it, then you just tip your hat to them and it is what it is. Uh, the offense looked in sync. It looked fluid. And uh, I, I can't I can't figure out why Shanahan wouldn't want to make the decision to pull to pull the trigger on Beathard sooner, other than he didn't want to be wrong on Mullins. You know, I think the biggest difference is against Washington, 14 points is is what Nick Mullins cost us in turnovers that were returned for touchdowns. Is 14 points total? That's more than the difference in the game. And then against Dallas, he cost 17, which is more than enough. And the difference in the game 
Nick, uh, so this game, CJ Beathard, none, zero. And that's the reason. If if he would have did the same thing and made mistakes, they would have lost this game because the point differential isn't enough. The offense isn't as good as it was with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's evident. What we needed someone to do was not go in and mess up great defensive performances. And CJ didn't mess up that performance. Nick Mullins did. And so when it comes down to it, CJ is the big difference because not making mistakes is so crucial. And it just was very evident in this game that he, you're right. He had complete control of the offense. It looked like Shanahan knew exactly what to do. Some of that could be on the Cardinals. But also, let's be honest, the Cardinals defense is probably still better than Dallas's defense. But yep. the offense looks so much different, so much better. And the run game getting going was great. But you're right. It, CJ's got to be helping them get into the right play or something because that is just it's just too evident it's at this too point. it's too stark it's too stark of a contrast the differences with mullins every game where he was quarterback there's two or three plays that are drastic like hugely negative yeah. hugely negative plays and he didn't say that once today i mean horse didn't he just look too d doesn't mullins just look more nervous compared to cj um and i don't know if that's because of the hits he took early to start um, this season, I don't know if he looked quite like that at the start when he first came in. Uh, I think he got in against the Jets and Giants and thought this whole thing was pretty easy, <laughs> and then started facing the meat of the schedule and got knocked around. And um, he definitely has that deer in a headlight look sometimes. Nick Mullins when he starts getting hit, and uh, Bethard just looks more in control, more calm, more comfortable more sure of himself um and i think part of those things are the fact that he's a bigger guy he is a th third or fourth round draft pick. third he was a guy that got drafted he was a guy that was a starter at a big school in college he's the things that come with going undrafted he doesn't have he doesn't you know he's not small he doesn't have a weak arm he doesn't have he has all the tools to be a successful nfl quarterback now, granted, he hadn't really shown him much in his other opportunities, but he showed him in the game yesterday, and he's like he's not God's gift to football. He's not going to go out and win you games if your defense gives up 35 points. But on a day when your defense is on and gives up 20 or less, he's not going to make the crucial mistake, or at least from what he showed yesterday. He's not making the crucial mistake that costs you the game like Nick Mullins did against both Dallas and Washington. And even Philadelphia, if you want to go back that far. Oh, I mean, 100% um, Philadelphia. And you then, have to go back that far. 100%. And I, I still think I would much rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than him. But I like Mullins. I think he's a tough guy. I think he's a competitor. And by the way, for people that haven't caught it, and I didn't even catch it till the game started yesterday why Kittle was pushing so hard to play in these games. And it was once they named Nick Mullins start or um excuse me, CJ Beathard starter. One day I hope I have a friend as good as um Beathard has in George Kittle. Because Beathard wanted to go out there, one before Mullins or Beathard's brother. Correct. You know, in memory of him. And two, he wanted to make sure his boy looked good when he was out there playing. And I thought that was great. And Shanahan mentioned how the whole team stepped up when they found out that Beathard was playing and really 
because they all knew the anniversary of his brother's death was coming up here mm -hmm. and it just so happened to be the week he got the start and look at the way the team stepped up and played around him on a sad anniversary like that and i for some reason the team looked offensively at least more fired up ready to play i think they might have grown tired of mullins making those mistakes well, yeah, and I think they would have. I think they got tired of it, and I think they got. I mean, let's let's be honest. A lot of the post press conferences too with Nick Mullins, there's some finger pointing at himself by Nick Mullins, but there's not a complete and total ownership, con a confident ownership. When I hear Nick Mullins in a press conference talking about the mistakes and I made some mistakes and I got to do better, uh, it's almost like puppy dog pouting. I, I made mistakes. It's almost like, yeah, I know, I kind of messed up, and I probably like wanting be. you to feel bad for him. Almost, That's what I get yeah, from almost, too. almost feel sorry for me that I did this, and that I'm trying really hard to be better. And this isn't a knock on like Nick Mullins as a person. I don't think Nick Mullins is, is someone who doesn't want to take accountability for his actions, but it, it's not a strong leadership quality and characteristic. You don't come off as a strong leader. You're not going to rally support that way. You're not going to get guys to believe that you can fix it and get the job done. Um, I think the infusion of Kittle probably helped Beathard in that regard with rallying the team in that sense. But CJ Beathard comes off as, as you guys said, cool, calm, collected, but a stronger leader than Nick Mullins does. And you could tell by the way Kittle was playing, the amount of energy he was playing with, um, the, the level of excitement and, and almost authority when he made those first down catches um, with, with his little first down celebration. Uh, but just the amount of energy that he had to be out there and that he wanted to like it wasn't just about hey I got the first it was like get the first down and let's keep freaking going like, punch him in the mouth again let's do this again let's keep doing this until we put this ball in the end zone um, it, it was great to watch it's something that we haven't seen out of the offense in weeks you know I thought it was gone and it's I think it's a lot of the reason why we thought there was a chance that maybe this team was just going to phone it in the rest of the season because they looked like they were getting ready to go into fetal position and just you know, let's just get the season over with as quickly as possible. C.J. Beathard um, played the game like he was trying to just win a football game. He just really stayed within himself. Nick Mullins, since he's been the starter, has been playing like someone that's trying to prove that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yes. The pressure got so much for him. He was trying to, you know, prove it with every single throw. He was trying to be too fine. He didn't play loose like he did in 2018. It's been very evident. And that's why this move should have been made earlier because C.J. Beathard is co controlled, collected. He knows his role and what he is in the NFL, and he's okay with that. Even at the end, Mullins was still saying he believes he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He was believing the hype. The hype got to him, and now everyone knows he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. And the question is now, is he even a backup in the NFL? But I think C.J. definitely is. And... If he has another good performance against Seattle, I hope the 49ers bring him back as the backup next year. You know, and part of Mullen's problem is he's not very accurate. That's true. No. You, know, you know who else isn't very accurate in regards to Nick Mullins? We won't even speak his name on this podcast anymore. He's not even worth our time. Great, huh? Oh, dang it. You weren't supposed to say that. Or <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> Lolcon has weak seeds. Not created brand. Oh my lord! Weak seeds! Weak seeds! This man over here with the ah. the flame of flames, the roast of roast. Flavor flame. Holy shnikes, he said. 
<laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's this man over here. I just, oh. I just think, I just think you're a dumb dumb face. I mean, personally, I think, I think you put your clown makeup on in the morning and then say whatever the first thing that comes to your head, and it's not worth anyone's time. But that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's all. Just, that's what I meant. That's as, really as George Kittle said, he likes to stir the pot. You can be friendly with him. I'll go hang out with Eric Armstead. You know what? I hate him. No. In, in the Bay Area. Yeah, from the Bay Area. Yeah, he's definitely not from... That's weird, because when I was coaching and he played against us, it was not a Bay Area team. That's crazy. That's, that's you mean Pleasant Grove is not in the Bay Area? No. It's totally Grove. <laughs> totally. You know, that was an unpleasant Grove when we went down there. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> God, you're a national treasure. <laughs> by, by the way... There's a lot of man sweat going on, a lot of dude love. By the way, so we're going to go 40 minutes here and no one's going to take a shot at the uh, special teams. It took us like 30 minutes to mention George Kittle. It's true. The next episode is going to air on Thursday at 5.30 Pacific. So you can enjoy the new year getting rid of 2020. It's going to be awesome for all of us. And so, make sure you tune in at 5.30 specific. <laughs> Not really, it's Pacific. It's Pacific. But we have a specific issue with Pacific. But at 5.30 <laughs> Pacific, uh, make sure you tune in. We're going to be previewing the 49ers versus the Seahawks. Still a big-time rivalry game. The Seahawks won the West, but the 49ers are going to go in there looking to exact some revenge on these guys. And I hope they do it. Yeah, you better be here on time, or if you or you might miss this podcast, like Robbie Gold kicking a field goal. It's it's true. Was. It wasn't a hundred percent. The last one wasn't all his fault, though. According to my special teams expert, it was a poor hold due to a poor snap, most likely. And maybe we'll get my special teams expert on the show one day to explain this. How you know, I'd really like to meet this guy. It's a lot, Mitch Wisnowski. <laughs> Yeah, Basically, it was the Australian's fault. It was the Australian's fault. And by the way, the Australian, he's, done a gr- he's really great at punting the football when it's like forward at the 40, kicking out. If he's got to flip fields, he can't do it. He doesn't get the leg for it. Yeah, but he can hit. That he, he can do. He, he can make he tackles. He did lay some wood. He did lay some wood. No, I was a- talking about on the football field. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's also what I was talking about. <laughs> He was watching a lot of Pat McAfee highlights. This I don't know week anything about his personal. Okay, well, we were not talking about his personal life, but it's a good thing that we got this rivalry game oh, coming up. So. <laughs> I would get out of frame too. If yeah. I, I, I'm excited about this rivalry game this week. Excited about the potential of being able to stick one to the Seahawks just one one time, one time this year, one more time in the Shanahan era, and you know, letting Pete Carroll choke on that gum just a, just a wee bit. Uh, I'm also excited about the fact that we have potentially impacted the playoff race and potentially knocked the Arizona Cardinals out if they can't pull out of the spiral and don't get a little bit of help as well. Yeah, the Rams and the Cardinals both are going to be you know, playing. The Rams haven't clinched a playoff spot yet, so it's going to be interesting. The 49ers have definitely messed up some things in the NFC West down the stretch. That's the one thing we got going for us. Um, and then now we'll, we'll get to find out where the 49ers sit in the draft order after this game. We'll be able to kind of sit down, really take a look at all the players, who's going to be back. A little bonus thing for you guys. 
The Quan Alexander trade has officially given the 49ers a fifth round pick coming back. It was up in the air whether it was going to be a fifth this year. It is a fifth this year, so the 49ers now should be picking, I believe, nine times in the 2021 draft. That's more draft capital than we've had in the last few years. Gives them a possibility to do something. You know, losing that salary, I mean, that could have been a real Achilles heel holding the team back. And you like Quan. Imagine if you imagine if you didn't like him. What? I don't get it. Chill out, Brad Pitt. Did he get hurt? Yeah. You should you should really call. Make sure you're here on Thursday. We're gonna break down key matchups. We're gonna make bold predictions. We're gonna try and lock it up, and you two are gonna battle for the season one championship. You don't wanna miss the season finale of Lock It Up on Thursday. It's gonna be a good time. And I want to see what a Steve's is going to do, or the Azorian one, because last week's was fantastic. If you missed the Die Hard one, it was awesome. And I look forward to seeing what he's going to do in a season finale of Lock It Up. I can't wait for that one. I can't wait for any of it. It's great. You guys should subscribe. You really should. Yeah. You really should. Before it's gone. Yeah, before Horse gets too old. Um. As of next Sunday. <laughs> It's getting, it. getting old. Really old. The uh, Seahawks are going down. Down, down, down. Seahawks going down. down. We got a throwback. Down, down, down. Seahawks going down. They're going down. Yeah. <laughs> we went off the rails again. <laughs> We're just going. We're just going off the rails this whole episode. There's going to be a lot of special stuff at the end of the credits here. We're like a crazy train. True. Make sure you stick around for once the screen goes black. Mm-hmm. After we chalk it up, which by the way. This is that time. I think it's that time. He does right, things guys, to me when the screen goes black. <laughs> How did you say that? Did you call me Brad Pitt? <laughs> I did. I've been called a lot of things in my life. <laughs> Never Brad Pitt. Well, it was it was a complete movie reference, but he was Achilles. And he actually tore his Achilles, Achilles playing set. Achilles. That's actually true. You know? <laughs> it is true. I'm so glad that just I got like, that before you did. the Giants have all the big That's accurate. I wouldn't have got any better if Robbie Gold kicked it at me. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is he was in the original segment. He was in the original <laughs> segment. This is accurate. What an absolute... Gold mine. There comes are. more man love. Absolute content <laughs> gold mine. He's gotta buy you dinner or something. It's getting uncomfortable. Uh. Just don't share the Rona. No, just no Rona. <laughs> no sharing of the. Yeah, no, we don't want that. That's not. How do you share it? <laughs> Alex lost it. That's an unpleasant grove. The best part was I was thinking, I was like, how can you make pleasant grove sound not pleasant? And he goes, unpleasant grove. I was like, oh my god, this man. Pun. Punny as all punnies can be.